So we're coming into the final weeks of this series that we call That You May Believe. And as we come into this, I I want you to know, and if if you are new at Southeast, um, I want you to hear this. Many, many times um, I come into series and when I come into a series, I, I, I typically am asking some questions. What is this text trying to teach me? What can I learn from this text? What are some of the branches and, and that come out of this text? And what are some things that connect back to this that help us to see this incredible unified story of God's love and goodness and grace? And so sometimes I come into a series and I think, okay, well, this will take us to about this point and then we'll begin a new series at that point and we'll begin to look at something else. And, and I try to lay out our calendar. I try to lay out our, um, our year and, and have some of that rhythm. But there are times that we come into those things and I begin to see that there are some other pieces that we need to continue to look at and explore. And so this is one of those series. But as we came in, I thought, okay, this will take us about till Easter At Easter will kind of be a highlight of this series. We'll sort of move on from there. But then as I began to see it, I began to see these uh, these questions and this text that really comes after that we're looking at, this text that comes after um, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that these stories had been written that we would believe. That's what the text tells us, that John wrote these so that we may believe. And so we have talked through that over the past few weeks. We've looked at these encounters that people had with Jesus, the invitations they were given to believe. And like I said, the first half of that series took place before Easter It dealt with stories that were prior to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the second half, which we really started on Easter, focused on the stories of encounters that people had with the risen Jesus. So before we have Jesus teaching, he is is, uh, expounding on some texts, he is doing uh, miracles and signs, and he's inviting people to believe through their encounter with the living Jesus. And then we have people who have encounters with the risen Jesus, the continuing to be alive and living Jesus after his death, this incredible truth and reality of the resurrection. We explored the meaning of that on Easter, but this idea that Jesus is alive. And so these disciples of Jesus begin to ask these questions. What do we do with the reality of a risen Jesus? What does our belief in a risen Jesus have to do with that? The questions remain the same, though. The question remains the same, whether the stories come before Easter or after, because Jesus is the same. And I'm going to come back to this, an idea about the resurrection, but listen to this. Because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, Jesus is alive. Now, I want you to think about that, and maybe I want you to say that right where you are. Maybe just begin to think, because of the resurrection, Jesus is alive. We hear that, we hear, hear this idea, Jesus is alive. The resurrection Sunday we celebrate on Easter, not that he died, but that he has risen, that he is alive. And it brings us an incredible hope, not just about the Messiah, not just about Jesus, but this idea that we join him in resurrection, that someday we join him in that reality living with him eternally in the joy of our Savior. What an incredible hope and truth for all of us. 
Now, because of the resurrection, what I want you to hear is this. We're not waiting for something. We're not waiting to go somewhere. There is a hope and a reflection on that. But because of the resurrection, Jesus is alive, is able to work in and through our lives in the very same way that Jesus worked in and through the lives of people when he walked the earth. In this letter to the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the, an author testifies to this. In Hebrews 13, 8, he says this. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This author wrote this after the resurrection, in light of the reality of the resurrection, tells these people who are exploring the way of Jesus, who are worshiping the risen Jesus, says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. (laughs) Whether you walked with Jesus in this world during his life and his time of teaching, but he is also the same today. If you are with him and following him and exploring his way, he is alive and, and, and is the same in the very same way in your life today. And then the author says, and forever. For those people 2,000 years from that moment that he wrote that letter saying Jesus Christ is the same in your life as well. So as we read these stories, we're invited then to ask the same questions. We don't simply look at these stories and say, what did it mean to these people? But we're able to look at these stories and say, what does this mean for you and to me, for people who encounter Jesus? Would we believe? And what would we believe about Jesus, what he has come to do, what he's continuing to do through us and through his church? Now, as we ask these questions, we've been walking through the book of John, a book from the Bible that tells the story of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And this week, we come to the final story from that book. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this story. We're going to break it into two parts. In this story, we find the disciples still wrestling with the reality that Jesus was no longer in a tomb, but resurrected. And I want you to think about that. What would it be like to wrestle with this idea? What would it have been like to follow Jesus and then to experience the risen Jesus. And as we talked about last week, they experienced the very risen Jesus walking with him, talking with him. So what would that experience be like? This happens over several weeks. We have, the, we have an encounter with Jesus and then there's another week. It goes by and then they encounter him again. And what, what kind of questions do you think they had during that week? What kind of things do you think they were thinking about and wondering? What do we do in these moments? How, how do we manage uh, this reality? What, what do we do with this idea that Jesus is alive now, here and now? And what do all of us do with that reality? What do all of us do as we ask these questions about Jesus being alive? So the answer to these questions begin to become form through this story that we're going to read. Help us process for what this means to us today. What does it mean that Jesus is alive? What is our relationship to Jesus as we choose to follow and invite God to work in and through us? These are huge questions for us. I, I think these are the most uh, uh, central of questions that any of us can ask as we explore the way of Jesus. What does it mean that Jesus is alive? What does it mean that he was resurrected? 
What does that mean for us? What does it mean for our world? What does it mean for our future? What does it mean for the hope that we have? And what is our relationship to Jesus? As we choose to follow and then invite God to work in and through our lives. What, what does it mean? What does it truly mean to follow Jesus? So let's turn to this story. Let's explore it together this morning. John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. So I, Jill, just flip to that, but I'm going to just talk about this for a second. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. And I want you to see that word. Jesus appeared again. So over the course of this time, these disciples, can, can you imagine these weeks? Wrestling with this idea, Jesus is alive. How, how do you comprehend that? How do you say, what does that mean in my life? And I really think that we need to be living in the same kind of space. It's so easy for us sometimes, I think, to live in a moment, a moment reality, where we look at the, at, at, at the, the brick and mortar of this world, we look at the situations we face, and, and all of those things do matter. Absolutely. Th- those things do matter. Our lives matter, our families matters, our work matters. All of those things matter. But when we begin to shift, when we move from someone who says that I am the center of the universe, that, that you and I think I, I am the most important thing in this world, to recognizing that the resurrected Jesus is the Lord of my life, everything changes. We have a brand new prism through which we see the world. Now we know from the teaching of Jesus that all of this still matters and that God understands that these things matters. He knows that we have big things going on. He knows that we have things in life that we enjoy. And I think God celebrates those things with us. But we also have to recognize that the steps that we take, the things that we prioritize, prioritize, the things that we put in front of us, we see those now through the lens of Jesus. And that's what's beginning to happen to these people. They can't go back to the life that they lived prior because everything has changed. See, for them, they had been called to follow Jesus. They had given their lives to Jesus. He dies. They look around and say, well, now what? Do we go back to normal life? Then they meet the resurrected Jesus. Everything changes. Their lives can never be the same. And that is true for you and me. Our lives can never be the same. We choose to follow the resurrected Jesus. So afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, I want you to see something really cool about this text, that sometimes when we read these texts, we miss the humanity of the situation that is taking place. And I want you to see what happens here, what Simon Peter says. He says, I'm going out to fish. Simon was a fisherman. Peter was, Simon Peter was a fisherman. This is what he knew. This was his life. For me, if I was going through something difficult, and when I go through hard situations, sometimes I look and say, that's it. I'm just going to go play some guitar. 
And I, I'm going to turn my speakers up. I'm going to play. I'm going to just, I'm just going to do my thing. I just need to get away. Or maybe I'll say, hey, I'm just going to go on a bike ride. I, I, I just, I just need to go ride. When I was in college, if I was having a struggle with um, a paper or I was struggling in a class, I'm just going to go shoot, shoot some hoops. I'm just going to go down to the gym. I'm just going to play some basketball. Now we all get that. There are moments for us. Some people say, hey, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to go mow some grass. I just need to go do my own thing. I'm going to go for a walk. I, I'm going to go do, do what I do. And, and, and that's what I think is happening here. This is the humanity of the situation. Simon Peter says, this is all too much. I'm overwhelmed by all of it. Guys, I'm going to go, I'm going to go have a fish. <laughs> and I love this. I love the humanity that he puts in here for us to see. That's, that in the middle of this struggle that he's having, there is a holiness and a holy reality about saying, I'm going to go do the thing that I, that I do. And I love, because I think that we're going we're to see here, what we're going to recognize is that, that God meets him in that moment. Jesus meets him there. And sometimes you have to stop the noise around you enough to hear the voice of God. When are those moments you say, I, I, just, I just need to get away and be alone? And we know as followers of Jesus, I'm not alone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And we all need those times. We all need those places. And so I think this is the humanity of this. I'm going to go have a fish. Simon Peter told them, and, they, and I love this, they said, we'll go, we'll go with you. <laughs> Good friends. Recognizing what he needs. We'll, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Now, we've talked about how the resurrection meant more than the idea that Jesus was resuscitated. And I've talked about this over the past couple weeks. If you're curious about this more, you can go back and listen or, or shoot me an email and ask me this. But resurrection meant more than transfer, or resurrection meant transformation, a new reality. It meant more than resuscitation. Resurrection was a newness to Jesus. This is a promise that all we see isn't the sum total. That everything that we see around us is not all of reality. That God's people, God's power can be made through his people and make things new. And so this is a reminder that through Jesus, God worked. Not just resuscitating Jesus, but resurrecting Jesus and there's a mystery here, there's an unknown here, but the thing that we have to continually lean into is that Jesus is transformed. Jesus has been made new. The disciples struggle to recognize him. And there's, a, again, a, a really interesting mystery there. We'll, I don't know that we'll fully understand through text, but what we can get from this is that there is transformation. There is complete newness here. So we go on and it says, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. What they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, again, this is something cool that we're about to see. I love how in all of these stories, Jesus was unrecognizable to each person until a moment when they saw they were looking at Jesus, their friend, their teacher, and their savior. And listen to this. If we go back to what we talked about at Easter, Jesus was revealed to Mary in her sadness. 
in the middle of his questions and doubts, Thomas saw Jesus. And here, this fisherman Peter, in a miracle, during this miracle, he would uniquely recognize the Jesus that he had always known. The questions that I have about this is, are you looking for Jesus in your life? Is Jesus speaking to you in the middle of a situation that you're facing, some questions or fears that you're processing, or in the most familiar places in your life? It's my contention that that's where Jesus wants to speak to us, that Jesus will meet us exactly where we're at in anything we're facing, in any questions that we have, in all of our fears, and in the most familiar places. And I believe that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are today. The question is, are you looking? Let's continue the story. It says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment for he had taken it off. He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And I love Peter's reaction here. The moment that he recognized Jesus, he jumped in to the water. He didn't wait. He simply jumped and swam to shore. And listen to this. This is so fascinating. I love this. The others were patient. They stayed in the boat, but Peter couldn't wait to get to Jesus. When he recognized Jesus in that miracle, he wanted to desperately be where Jesus was. Now, this is not the first time that we see Peter in a moment like this, and I think there's a reason for this. In the book of Matthew, in a story told earlier in Peter's journey with Jesus, the disciples were in a very different place, in a place of fear. At this point in the story, Jesus had just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And after that miracle, he went alone to pray and he sent the disciples away in their boat. So we're backing up. We're going back in time to another moment when Jesus was alive. The disciples go, go out in their boat. Jesus goes to be alone and he returned to them in the most unlikely way. Now listen to this and see the parallels between this previous story in the life of Peter as he followed Jesus and then this story that we're reading about as he follows Jesus, the risen Jesus. Now listen to this, Matthew 14. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because of the wind against it. So the disciples were on a lake, alone in a storm, and Jesus showed up unexpectedly. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Now listen to this, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind 
died down. So I think Peter lives with this question for a really long time. A couple years later, Jesus dies. Peter experiences incredible sadness as his savior, his friend, this person he's followed for so long is gone. And then he experiences the resurrection of Jesus. Again, his death, crucified on the cross. Imagine Peter's pain and anguish when he experiences the risen Jesus. And a couple weeks pass by, these different experiences as these disciples see the risen Jesus, and we come to this story. Now look at this story again from today. Think about it in light of Peter's previous encounter with Jesus on that stormy night with the wind and the waves, Jesus coming to Peter, coming to the disciples on that boat. And look at the parallels here, and look at Peter's reaction when he recognized Jesus. Let's read this again. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize it was Jesus, and he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. See, the disciples were once again alone in a boat. They once again didn't recognize Jesus calling to them. But once Peter did recognize Jesus, he wanted to be where Jesus was. He didn't delay. He just jumped in the water. He didn't need the miracle of walking on the water to be with Jesus. He just wanted to be with his Savior. And I love what we see in that parallel. Sometimes we're waiting for a big sign or a miracle, and maybe we just need to jump in and go to Jesus. But now look what we see next. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Now, I want you to see this because I think this is a key, huge key for us in this story. That Jesus tells them, get, throw your line out, get these fish, and then, and then come on, come over to me, bring, bring your fish with you. But it's easy to miss what, gets, what happens here. The disciples had just caught the most fish of their lives. They couldn't even haul it into the boat. And they think, all right, we're going to bring all this fish to Jesus. He's waiting for us on the shore. But when they get there, they see that Jesus was already cooking. It's, it's like this humorous, kind of almost ridiculous exchange that takes place. But it's a huge reminder for us of something we don't want to miss. We imagine that God is waiting on us to do all the work. That he's waiting us for us to bring the fish to the shore. That he's waiting for us to get there. And this is so important for the disciples to realize. Because Jesus is about to commission them to go out into this world and share the good news of Jesus. That he is about to tell them, it's not about you. 
It's not about your comfort. It's not just about the 12 of you sitting here being with Jesus. He says, I am sending you out into this world to share the good news with everyone. That this is the call and commission on the disciples. That this is the call and commission on the church. That this is the call and commission on every single one of us. And there is a lesson here that we are going to learn in this. That sometimes we think, well, if I don't, if, if I don't do everything, that, that somehow God is waiting for me to do all the work, that he's waiting for me to do all of this, when in reality, God is at work. And it's us who need to meet him there. That God is already at work around us. And it's our responsibility to meet God where God is already doing things. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was torn. Jesus said to them, come, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So a couple questions that I just want to ask us this morning as we think about this. Do you believe that God is already at work inviting you to meet him where he is? Do you believe that God is already at work around your life calling you, you who have been called and commissioned to reach this world with the good news of Jesus? Is he already at work? Do you believe that he's calling you, preparing the places, the people, the situations that you will enter? And I do. I believe that God is at work all around us, that this is his world, and he's never stopped being active and present in it. We read about this reality in Psalm 24 that reminds us again, maybe of this connection that we have back to Earth Day, but also this bigger connection that recognizes that God is present and active around us. It says the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. See, I believe he has called us and invited us to where he is, to meet him where he is working. So I'm asking you today, open your hearts and your eyes. Seek where God is working in your neighborhood, in this city, all around this community. Where is God at work? And will you meet him there? Will we as a church be open to God's work within our community? How is he calling us to reach this place that he has called us to? How will we use the resources that he has given us to reach this community with the good news of Jesus? And what opportunities is God at work preparing for us? Let me close with the words of the Apostle Paul. We find this letter in the New Testament as he inspired an early church community in the city of Ephesus to see this truth. He wrote this. He says, For it is by, the grace, that, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has always been at work in this world. Inviting us to follow him. Will we follow him? into our neighborhood and into our community? Will we see this reality that he is at work all around us, inviting us 
to come and be a part of what he's doing. And again, I love, don't miss this. See the way that he was working through Peter. In his fear, in the familiar, and inviting him to be a part of what God is doing. I just love it. I think it's amazing. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for this story, for the reminders that we find here, that so many truths that we can learn from this one piece. The question is, would we believe? And today that question is, would we believe that you are already at work around us, inviting us to come and meet you where you are, bringing your goodness and your grace and your mercy and love, sharing the good news in the way that you have transformed our lives and made us new. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen.